Hello and welcome to Mates for Origin, Edge of the Crowds Rugby League podcast. I'm Jeff Ross. I'm joined by Elliot Vesley to break down all things rugby league this week and every week. How are you this week, Elliot? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, it's been some excellent week of rugby league, hasn't it? It's been great. It's been great across the NRLW and the NRL itself. Um, so exciting. Having finals coming up, having the NRL really get kicking into gear. It's it's great. There's something really special about just finals footy, whatever league, it's always some good footy. And me and you will both be out there on Sunday uh, soaking in that finals energy. Absolutely. I'm excited. So let's start with the women's. And we can start on Saturday where the Dragons took down the Roosters with a 16 to 10 final score. What were your thoughts? I know you were out there. I really like this game, number one, because both clubs um, put everything they had into this game. I thought that, you know, we talk a lot about attacking brilliance, but we we speak about the play of the week, and the play of the week was actually a defensive effort from Tanagato, who was just amazing. Emma Tanagato for the Dragons was really the woman of the match for me. Like, she was so, so brilliant. Um I think that their their halves were were good. Obviously, Quincy Dodd popped in there, but um, Tali Fumiano, she really leads that team around, and it was really impressive to see um, her. I think that Elise Albert has been having a great season, and that will continue into the finals. For me, I think that Togatoki is, is a really good player for the Roosters. She's really powerful. She's a great a great addition to that team. I thought Zahara Tamara was good. Corbin Baxter was very good. Jess Sergis is always good. Um, for the Roosters, uh, I, I just think that they need to become more clinical in their attack um, and they just need to form some better formations there, utilising those amazing forwards that they do have with Togatuki, uh, Olivia Koenig, Hannah Southwell, just using those big forwards that they have and uh, laying a platform for them to get it out the back because they have a great back line as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing I was impressed with the Dragons is that this looked like it could get out of hand from quickly. You're already missing Rachel Pearson coming into the game. Jamie Chapman fails for HIA and only plays two minutes. That is not a good start. And losing key players like that can be a really key to a good team falling apart. And that just didn't happen here. No, it didn't. And um, I think that's credit to them. Uh, as a team, but again, I, I'm, I'm going to put that down to the spine of the Dragons. They really kept formation. Uh, Keely Davis, Tali Fumiano, Quincy Dodd, and Tonegato, who is obviously that key element there, that really held that team together, held their structures perfectly, and uh, they played a great game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, especially credit to that first line, Elsie Albert was great, Kezi Axe was great. And then I think also was really impressed with Holly Wheeler. I think she played really well at lock. Yep. And so, yeah, also, I will say, we'll, we'll expand on this more in later games, but I had thought that with this margin, I just assumed that the Dragons had locked up the minor premiership. I did as well. Um, I, I went very public with that and, the, and, and said that the Dragons had locked it up, barring a miracle from Brisbane, which we later know did happen. Um, I think all the Dragons girls would be very disappointed that it didn't, it didn't happen for them, but... I honestly, I'd take nothing out of that. It was just a points difference thing for them. They really did do what they needed to do this season and they have been a powerhouse this year. And let's be honest, they weren't actually that far off beating the Broncos in their meeting, which would have locked them up the minor premiership on 
yeah, no, no, they weren't. And um, it was, it was an, it's been an impressive season for the Dragons. Yeah, absolutely. They finished second. They deserve to finish second. My prediction for the grand final is Dragons Broncos, and I would be very excited for that matchup. I think that's what it will be. So then we head up to Suncorp Stadium, which one, how good was that to have women's footy played in Suncorp and then especially later for the Broncos to get their game up there. That was a great atmosphere. It, it was a great atmosphere. It's always good at uh, Suncorp, whether it's the men's, whether it's the women's, it does not matter. It's always good atmosphere at Suncorp. It's one of the premier stadiums in our game. Um, and yeah, to have two Queensland teams playing up there was also really good. Yeah, Queensland loves their footy. And you always Love get it. a great atmosphere pretty much anywhere in Queensland. Yeah. So then, so that game was interesting where you had the Knights actually were the first team on the scoreboard with, it was a fairly interesting try from Paige Parker to put them up 4 nothing and then 6 nothing for the conversion. And that was the score from six minutes into the game all the way to the end of the first half, which looked like the Knights might have a shot of winning there. Yeah, it, it did. And I... I, I, credit to the Knights, yes, they held held the Titans out well, but I just, uh, in the first half, I was just watching the Titans and they just struggled with their attacking structures. They they struggled to form really good combinations and they were, um, I don't know, there were some teething issues going on there. Usually we see kind of uh, a better formed half combination with Kimura Brelinati and Grace Griffin, um, but they were struggling and then in the second half they really kicked into gear yeah i mean yeah titans second half it was all Titans. i thought the knights did spent a lot of time on defense in that first half i thought they defended well but i think it was very evident that all that time on defense did tire them out pretty quickly yeah yeah i know that that's for sure and obviously the the knights did have a you know a disjointed lineup to say the least but um I just, I, I don't know, with, with the Knights, they just couldn't, they couldn't form the, the the right combinations in attack to get over the line enough. I thought Romy Titzel's always, always their key at the back. But um, yeah, unfortunately for them, this season hasn't been theirs. No, I don't think anyone would be surprised that they were the bottom team this season. But I think people would be surprised at just how much they've struggled. I think, I think there are a lot of questions about the Knights for the next season. Some, I think, may have answers. Others, I don't know if they have any answers yet. Yeah, I, I will have to wait and see. Titans, on the other hand, especially Jessica Elliston was really good. Tiana Ashton-Smith was really good, especially up the front. It was really good play from those forwards. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um I, I thought this game was going to be a very obvious win to the Titans. It wasn't so, um, but it was still good for the Titans to get a win. And, you know, we're, we're still talking about a team in their first season of the NRLW, and it's amazing to see what they've done. Absolutely. I mean, one team was guaranteed to make the finals in their first appearance with three new teams and four finals, but I'm not surprised it was of the Titans. They were playing like the most experienced team out of those new teams. Yeah, definitely. They, they, they were. They, they look like a very, very good team. And our final game, I don't think we were surprised with who won, but I think everyone was surprised with just how much they won by. <laughs> you know, the thing with 
the Broncos was that they almost knew exactly the target that they needed. And it was almost like they went out there and just said, we need this 36 amount of points and we'll do it. And they just did exactly that. It was, it, it was amazing. It was good to see Alan Brigginshaw in space with a little step and, uh, and go over the line was great. But the Broncos lineup at full strength, yes, they were missing their fullback. Haley Maddox did a good job there. They were missing that little element there, but Taron Aitken and Ali Brigginshaw combined perfectly and Millie Boyle back there as well and uh, Amber Hall. They, it's just such a good lineup that uh, I, I, I really... They did struggle in one game this season, but unfortunately, I think they have they have kind of smoothed over those issues that they did have. So I think they are definitely the premiership favourites still. Yeah, absolutely. How good was it to see Ali get a try of her own? Because she hasn't got many herself this year, despite setting up plenty for other times. No, she she doesn't. But yeah, she she's she's the premier halfback in 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 the game and. Um, you know, she, she will be set, obviously, for higher honours this year, and it's always good to see her in action. And also just really impressive how long she's been the best halfback in women's footy for, because she's one of the most experienced players in the game and has been dominant for almost all of her career. Yeah, she has been. She's a, she's a very talented woman, and um, it's, it's a credit to her that she still remains that, that talented at her age. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure New South Wales will be complaining when she finally does decide to retire for Origin. No, they won't. No, they will not. So, yeah, with that, the finals matchups are set and they will be on Sunday at Lackard Oval. If you can get there, get there. If you can watch it, watch it. It's going to be some great footy. So we're going to start with second versus third, which is the Dragons and the Titans. I'm going to take the Dragons there, but I do think it's going to be a really exciting match and I could see the Titans coming back getting a win. Yeah, I, I do really like the Dragons. Um, maybe before this round, I would have said that it's it's going to be close. Uh, I just I just think for the Dragons, they, they looked so, so good in that, in that game there and Rachel Pearson will add something very special to that squad and... Unfortunately for the Titans, I just don't think they have the experience to get it done. You know, Tasman Gray is returning this week, um, which is a huge addition for them. But for the Dragons, I just I, I think they're going to have too much experience and and their forwards are going to lead that game and they're really going to uh, come into their own and play an NRLW Grand Final this year. Yeah, and I also think getting Rachel Pearson back in at seven is going to be huge. She is a star. She's also their main kicker, which is also going to help a lot. Yeah, it's a huge addition to that squad. We're both going to take the Dragons there. It is an exciting match. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see the result. And then for the second semifinal, it is, it is a rematch of the 2020 Grand Final with the Brisbane Broncos and the Sydney Roosters. No, no prizes for guessing who we're going to tip on this one. No, there isn't. Uh, I, I yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the Broncos. Quite obviously, Tamika Upton returns to that squad, which is a huge addition. Again, that squad just looks so dangerous yet again. And uh, Julia Robinson will take uh, her position on the wing there. And Ali Brinkshaw, Taryn Aitken, Millie Boyle, like just going through their lineup. Every single one of these players is just so good that. Unfortunately for the Roosters, 
I believe that have if the final system was a little bit different, um, they wouldn't be playing the fourth place team, but but they are, and uh, that's unfortunate for the Roosters. I, I really like their team. I like Corbin Baxter, Jess Sergis, and Isabel Kelly really link very well, and same as Brady Parker. Zahara Tamar has had a very good season. So is Togatuki, uh, Yasmin Meeks, Olivia Koenig, and Hannah Southwell. So it's a decent line up there. I just, I think the Broncos are going to have too much, unfortunately. The one thing I am interested to see is that this is a very different Roosters team from the team that lost to the Broncos in round one. Because you didn't have Corbin Baxter there. You didn't have Jess Surgis there. Pretty sure there were a couple of others in that list that weren't there either. It's probably going to be a lot tighter than that first round one matchup. Yeah, you'd, you'd assume so. And, um, you know, their 14, Jocelyn Kelleher, is a pretty handy replacement to have on the bench as well. So uh, I think that the Roosters will be in this game a lot more than people would expect. I'm just really excited for this weekend. Yeah, me too. And so then, so now we move on to the men's. And unfortunately, I think there is a topic that we don't really want to speak about, but I don't think we really have a choice. This is a topic that all sporting leagues across the world have really had to deal with in recent years, and that is the topic of sexual assault and sexual assault allegations and having a policy for these players. Personally, I don't like discussing these type of off-field incidents that do occur um, in general. They are all nasty. Anything that goes before the courts, regardless of what it is, um, it, it's just a tarnish on our game. I do think that the NRL need to put in some sort of structures because this is going to be a huge issue moving forward in every sense. Um, but other than that, I think that with some of these things, we just need to pay attention to the good rather than the bad in our game. Yes. I think that the NRL, and I think all leagues in general, need to have a very strict policy about what happens when charges are pressed. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I think the NRL has done very well in the last few seasons in building up policies that are a huge, huge improvement to what they used to have. Um, but there is definitely still some room to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think the NRL in general has better policies than a lot of the other leagues that I'm familiar with. I would like to see a couple of adjustments, but I think the idea of a no-fault stand-down policy where... You do not have to make any judgment on the merits of a case. You are treating the case as it is, regardless of what you think did or didn't happen, is a good policy because it really just removes any statement of the NRL. My one, the big adjustment that I would like to see is I think with specifically sexual assault cases, no fault stand down should be extended to any sexual assault charge, no matter the exact sentencing. All, all players are innocent until proven guilty, but there does need to be a policy so that the NRL can say, we are not going to condone sexual assault and that we are going to take sexual assault allegations seriously. In other less than great news, I also think the judiciary has been a bit busier than we like it to be this week. Yeah, the judiciary has been busy. I mean, they're always uh, a, a bit busy. There were two things that really stuck out to me, and there's one huge talking point, obviously, Mitch Barnett. By the time you're hearing this podcast, um, Mitch Barnett has been charged and is now facing or is 
going to sit out for six weeks, um, which was the conclusive decision. Uh, it is a hefty fine, uh, uh, sorry, a hefty punishment, but that, that incident was so, so ugly. Um, Chris Smith, there was, he can't change his line. He can't stop there. And, and Mitch Barnett to just the elbow raise right to the jaw there. It could have ended so, so badly. It could have broken his jaw. It could have done a lot more damage than it did. And I'm not saying that Mitch Barnett had any ill intent at all. We're not com commenting on the personality of Mitch Barnett. Everybody knows that he is a good guy. Um, he does not have a bad record um, with violence like this, but this was just a complete brain explosion from him. It was just, it was a moment of madness and unfortunately it went wrong and he'll learn his lesson. Um, on the other hand, I saw that incident with Nelson Osafa Solomona, who I think believe is also being charged with, you know, some huge, he came in with a swinging arm and it wasn't even picked up on the field. It wasn't even given a penalty on the field. It really, it starts to become a, a fact where we have so many people and angles watching the game these days. How are these type of things missed? And that said, there's also that, that incident in the Tigers game where Joey Leilua went over and the replays were almost slowing, showing that he conclusively did score a try, but there definitely was a ton of evidence for them to go upstairs, yet they didn't even go upstairs. They check every single thing in our game. There's checking it every frame by frame by frame, yet an obvious try, they just completely miss and it doesn't, it doesn't go upstairs. And that was just a huge brain explosion. The NRL has apologized for that as well especially when obviously you can't definitively say a team would have won or lost based on one try because if the Tigers score their tactics change play players play differently or things like that but when it's a one try margin that is a pretty big deal it is it definitely is and I think Madge uh, Maguire said as much after the game that he was far less than impressed with that with that ruling Look, with other decisions, I think it's really hard to see, but with that one, unfortunately for the NRL, that was just a mistake. Mistakes do happen, and that was just a really, really big mistake. The NRL has apologised, and hopefully we don't see it moving forward. Yeah, I think the NRL does need to adjust the rules so that the bunker can pause the game in that situation, even if the referee thought it was a clean-up on. Yeah. Because... If the bunker thought that there was even a chance of that being a try, and I see, I did see some people trying to say it was a knock on things like that. It was a bit hard to tell, but there was more than enough to go upstairs for it. So now let's move to the actual games. And we started in, we started down in Wollongong with a very dominant performance out of the Sharks. It was a very dominant performance out of the Sharks. It was very very impressive it was it was the game the sharks just have now proven to everybody that they are the real deal that they are a team that can play finals football um that i actually think will play finals football this year um that it, it always is a rivalry it's the crosstown rivals i guess with cronulla and st george um unfortunately there was another incident in that game. Yes, we'll mention it, the Jaden Sewer incident. So I sent to the bin for the second time in as many weeks. Um, and, you know, they had 
11 men on the field and by the end of the game it, it, those type of things are ugly and they don't have to do with the game but to highlight what happened with the actual game itself was just so perfectly put together by the Sharks and that comes down to one person for me and the difference is Nico Hines yeah Nico Hines was brilliant I don't think you could ask them much better than that no you can't and uh, Nico Hines is by many uh, rugby league real experts. This, this is the buy of the season. You just can't, even if players have been good, he has restructured that club and it's a credit to him, but it's also a huge credit to Craig Fitzgibbon. People have had raps on this guy for years. He's been the assistant uh, at some incredible clubs. Now he's formed a team that is actually his own and it's playing the type of football that you know, reflects him as a person, reflects Craig Fitzgibbon. It's, it's, it's hard defence and really, really kind of attacking structures that just work. And, and Nico Hines is just a cherry on top for them. And he has been really, really impressive. I really like what I saw out of the Sharks in that game. So then we move on to the Friday, which was started and probably headlined with the controversial Warriors-Tigers games. And... I think we've had a bit of discussion over the key moment of that, but is there anything else you'd like to add about that game in general? I don't know. The, the, the goal kicking was the difference. Uh, the game, there were two tries each and there were two conversions each. So the goal kicking, the two penalty goals from Reese Walsh were the difference in that game. Obviously, we spoke about the, the no try for Joey Leilil, which could have changed the game. But uh, honestly, for me, I, I don't know where to go for the Tigers I, I don't know what, what the answer is there. People talk about, is it Luke Brooks? Is it Madge? Is it the club in general? I, it's a club that is just spiralling out of control. Uh, and, the, you know, they're, they're going on to their 11th, 12th season without playing finals football. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking for every single Tigers fans, myself included. It's just heartbreaking to see. And uh, uh, for the Warriors, you know, they, they got that win and... Uh, they're still a young team that hasn't been home in, in a few years. And I, I didn't think it was that bad from them. And Reese Walsh looks to be coming into his own. But for the Tigers, it was just immensely disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. And so then our next game was always going to be a good game. It's always one of the big matches of the round. It was Rabbitohs Roosters. And I think for the Rabbitohs, it was exactly what they needed to silence a lot of comments about this season. That's exactly it. This was a silencing game for them. And I, they definitely didn't go into this game as favourites. Um, and the Roosters just, I don't know, they just, they didn't look like the Roosters of old that we know. I, did, I don't quite know what was there, what was missing there. They have such a good team on paper, but it just, there's, there's something not quite right there. Uh, this week, they're going to be, further in trouble because I know that uh, Trent Robertson unfortunately has contracted COVID and he will not be at the game or I'm guessing at training obviously this week so it'll be really hard for them but on the other hand South looked really good and, and, and Luttrell looked dangerous um, coming into his own and so did Cody Walker and um, so did so did um, Cameron Murray he was so so good for them and um I think it was a good performance from the South City boys. Yeah, absolutely. I've been really impressed with Patrol this season. 
he's always a good player, but I think this is proving to be one of his better seasons. Yeah, could do. So the next game was top of the table clash. It was the Panthers taking down the Knights. And I think this game says a bit more about the Knights than it does the Panthers, but I don't know exactly how much it does say. Look, it was always probably going to come down to the Panthers anyway winning. I know that the Knights were the number one team, I guess, somewhat in the comp. Um, touch on the Knights for a second. It was still a good performance. Good performance is underplaying it. It was really, really good. And it's so much more impressive than anybody would have thought for the night. Tex Hoy was really good at the back. And I know that Caelan Pong is back this week, but Tex Hoy needs to be able to find a place in that squad because he definitely deserves to be playing first grade football. Um, Dominic Young is really coming into his own. Um, really liked to see him there. And um, they, they, they were just, they were still very, very good. Um, I know there was, we already touched on the, the Mitch Barnett incident. Um, but on the other hand, the Panthers were just, they were so, so clinical. Uh, not that the Panthers aren't, but uh, Isaac Tago and Tyler May were standouts for me, uh, along with Sean O'Sullivan um again and uh just just their lineup it's it's just so good and and they really know how to how to get some formations and uh, get the right formations excuse me uh going and um this week they're only going to be bolstered by nathan cleary which you can't underestimate how big of an addition it is to that squad yeah absolutely i really doubt that sean o'sullivan will be sticking around at the panthers if he wants to get regular playing time because I can think of at least four or five teams that would be significantly better with him in there. Yeah, that's for sure. This year, I think there are two teams you really can't criticise a team for being defeated by, and that's Storm and that's Panthers. They yeah. are the best for a reason. And if you lose to them, you can still be a pretty good team. Yeah, although the Storm did lose this week. That's our next topic. Yeah, absolutely. There's a good segue to it. That was probably the other on-field headline of the round that was the Melbourne Storm have lost a game to the Parramatta Eels and I'm not entirely sure what to make out of it. Are you? Uh, I am. It was uh, it was impressive from the Eels. I thought that most of us wouldn't have had Melbourne losing in Melbourne um, as a thing, but it's it was Ryan Pappenhausen. Sorry, I have to touch on him. He was so quick and so brilliant. Always is. Um, Nick Meany scored two. Brandon Smith, we, we've spoken about. I don't know how that guy broke his hand two weeks ago on his back. Must have superhuman healing powers. Don't know. Um, but for the Eels, it was a really, really impressive performance. Uh, Dylan Brown was definitely the man of the match. He was so, so good in attack and really, really starting to come into his own. And we love to see that. And obviously the game ended with the most unlikely of heroes getting a double try, which was Ray Stone. Uh, and then if you haven't seen it, just go back and watch the final minute of that match. Uh, Mitchell Moses kicked a field goal and it hit the upright. It bounced back into Ray Stone, who looked like he didn't even know where he was, steps off his right foot and falls over the trial line as he steps onto his right foot, he tears his ACL scoring the match winner. And um, it was a crazy moment. He'll be out for the season and that's a shame, but um, there's probably no better way to go out than that. 
Yeah, I feel like if you do have to have a season-ending injury, that's how you want to do it. It was a weird match. It had the weird ending it deserved, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah. Then we moved down to Jerry Stadium, where that was a big comeback for the Raiders, wasn't it? Yeah, it was their biggest in club history. And the first half, all Titans. Um, All tries Titans. It was one after another, and it just looked like the Titans were going to get into a try-scoring frenzy. Um, and the Raiders were just shot to pieces. They had nothing. I don't know what Ricky Stewart said to them at halftime, but he inspired those boys, and they came back to score five unanswered tries. Timoko was great. Charles Nickel Klockstad was really good at the back there. Um, Sammy Valame was also good. But Jack Whiten and Brad Schneider are really forming quite the partnership in the halves there, and it's so good to see. Yeah. I'm sure that plenty of people would have switched that game off at halftime or left or would have been considering leaving the stadium because I don't think many people expect anything other than a flogging when you get a 22 to 4 halftime score. Yeah. And so what do you make of those two teams for the season? Because I'm still not 100% sure what to make of them. Uh, I, yeah, I, I need another few weeks of the Titans and the Raiders. I just need to see Jaden Campbell out this week is a huge out for the Titans, but uh and so then we have our so then we move up to Sunday where we had what is always a great rivalry. It's the Cowboys Brisbane. Plenty of good matches have come out of that, plenty of tight matches have This wasn't maybe as close, but it was a good match. For me, the Knights and the Cowboys have really been the two kind of underestimated teams this year. And the Cowboys were so, so good in this game. Jeremiah Nanai was probably the man of the match, actually definitely the man of the match. He was so good under the high ball there, challenging for everything. He just looks to be in red-hot form. Valentine Holmes uh, kicking six from six was great, but his efforts on the field were really, really good. And it kind of goes back to that uh, Holmes of old that we that we knew and we loved before he went to the NFL. And he's really starting to come back for the Cowboys. It is really good signs. They've really turned people's opinions on them around. Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend are really forming quite the combination in the halves. And uh, it's just good signs. Tamalola looks to be playing good football. So it's really good signs for the Cowboys. On the flip side, the Broncos... Yeah, uh, I thought they had been kind of re- impressive in the first few rounds, but uh, they just they didn't look to be there. Uh, that's really surprising. At home, there was 37,000 people there at Suncorp packed in to watch them play, and it looked like they didn't even get off the bus. They just looked uninterested in the game, and I know Herbie Farnsworth crushed twice, but it, it just looked like they were completely uninterested in that game, and I, I they really need to change that attitude going into next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think there needs to be a lot of work done. I think it's still weird to me seeing a really good Cowboys team that doesn't feature Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, well, yeah. Because let's be honest, when you're talking about the greatest Cowboys teams, almost all of them were let out by Thurston. And so then our final game of the round was a big relief for me because the Manly finally got off the mark and got their first win. And in a... In a, in a form that's very familiar for Manly's first win of the season, this is the third year in a row now, 
but they have won their first game of the season with a field goal from Dale Cherry Evans. Yes, it is to Cherry Evans. That's his 24th field goal. It's quite a record. He is amassing. Um, for me, there was one key difference, and it was him. For the Bulldogs, Matt Burton has such a big kicking game, but it almost looks like their team is relying on him just a tad too much, and he missed two conversions, and those were the difference in that game. He also missed a... I know Cherry Evans did as well, but he also missed a kick for touch as well. And he, it was just, it was those little things in their game that, that weren't quite there for me with the dogs. I, you know, they're a very highly touted team this season. And I know Jack Hetherington was, is facing a, a quite a stint on the sidelines now. And I don't know, for me, I need to see more of the Bulldogs play uh, together as a cohesive squad before we can kind of get an indication of where they are this season. For Manly, I think their first win was well and truly deserved, but it was scrappy, but that was also given the conditions which were uh, less than optimal. It was absolutely pouring there, Brookie. Um, but the difference was Cherry Evans, who's just calm, cool, collected, slotting that field goal. He knows what needs to be done. And Tom Trevojevic was almost acting like a forward in that game, taking so many hit-ups. Mm. And, um, yeah, Manly certainly have a foundation uh, to build on this season and hopefully get better from there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking we're starting to see some more contribution from Trevojevic, who's been a bit invisible the first couple of rounds. Maybe not contributions in the ways you'd typically expect from him, but still very much contributions. I haven't seen too much out of Saab this season. He was one of, if not the best wingers last year. He's got a lot of talent, evidently. He hasn't really made much of an impact this season. But I think if you can get some of those backs playing like they did last year, there is still a lot of potential for this Manly team, but there could also be a very rough season. No, I, I think they will come into their own. I think they just need to, they just need to work on those uh, combinations that they have, and it will get better. Yeah, it's a team that's got talent. They just now need to make sure the talent's working together well and playing consistently. And so then we have our matchups for round four of the NRL season, which a Thursday night footy matchup this weekend is Titans Tigers. And what are your thoughts there? I'm going Titans, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't generally tip against the Tigers. I hope they bounce back, so I'll tip them. But knowing them, I just don't, I don't see a good week in, in their future. Yeah, I think Gold Coast are a team that's in the conversation for maybe sneaking into finals, but Tigers are probably at the other end of that bottom eight conversation. Yeah. And then... Now, two matchups for the Friday night is the afternoon game is the Sharks-Knights, which is also probably going to be a really impressive game with two of the underrated teams from this season. Yeah, this is going to be a really good game. I do see the Sharks taking this one out, so I'm going to tip them, but I wouldn't be surprised if this game's really, really close. But yeah, also, it's a bit weird saying, oh, yeah, I think the game of the round is going to be the Sharks versus the Knights. Try telling that from someone even last year. Yeah. And then we moved down to the game that I think last year people would have expected to be the big game. It's the grand final rematch 
yeah, this is the big game, to be honest with you. It, it will be big. I don't see Souths getting it, getting the win here. I see Penrith doing it, uh, doing it comfortably. But uh, there, there is a chance of an upset here. Yeah, absolutely. I think if Souths do get the win here, all criticism for the past couple of weeks vanishes with two, those two back-to-back wins. Yes. It's not easy. The Panthers are a very good team. They have been one of the best for the past few years. They seem to be one of the best this year. I still think they'll win it. But if Souths can win this, that is a huge turnaround for their season. Yeah. So, yeah, Saturday then we head up to a stadium that we're going to start to see a bit more. It's Morton Daly Stadium, which is in Redcliffe, for Warriors-Broncos. Yeah, this game is going to be a bit of a weird one. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It's a flip of the coin for me with this one. I'm going to go with the Broncos, actually, because uh, I think that they're going to need a really big bounce back from last week. And then the next game is Adam Mudgee, which is the Sea Eagles Raiders, which I think will probably tell us a lot about both teams. Yeah, it, it should do. Manly should win this and should win this comfortably if there are any chance of... Uh, really competing this season and I think that they will do that. But also while we're on it, how good is it to see as Bathurst last week, Mudgy this week, getting out to some of those regional footy stadiums? Yeah, I love that Manly do this. I really do. I love that they get out to those they get out to those regional grounds because they have so many fans out there and it just brings so many fans to the club and so many people, eyeballs on the game. It's it's great. Yeah, I recognize why they don't do it super often because it can be difficult logistically where a lot of the suburban stadiums they're used to this having these big tv crews regularly but some of these rural stadiums just aren't but it's also really good to see and it's great atmosphere and so then our final game of saturday we are heading up north it's we're heading up north for roosters cowboys this is also going to be a really interesting game it's, it's interesting in the fact that somehow the Cowboys are second and the Roosters are 13th. That's a, a weird turn of events, but the Roosters have too good of a team to keep losing. They just, they, they have to win here and they, and it not only has to be a win for them, but it has to be a statement game um, for the Cowboys. I thought that they were very good last week and they're going to be hoping to cause a huge, huge upset here. I agree with you that the Roosters are the tip here, but I really think that the Cowboys upset is actually a bit likely than some people think. They're, they're a good team, and I could really see this being one of their big statement teams of, yeah, we're not a lucky team. We are a good team. Yeah. And so then we move to the Sunday, which will start down in Melbourne. Melbourne have a chance to make up for last week where they take on the Bulldogs, who are still not been looking great. Yeah. For me, this is going to be a Melbourne whitewash. Absolutely. Mauling, in my opinion, Melbourne are going to come out firing. Craig Bellamy is going to have them fired up. And in Melbourne, they do not lose regularly. It will not happen back-to-back, in my opinion, and they'll get this done comfortably. I think Melbourne tips should be pretty much automatic. If they don't win, there are some really big warning signs for this season. Yeah. And then finally, we end off our weekend with Eels and Dragons, which is probably another chance for the Eels to show that they actually are one of these teams that can get up there. 
Yeah, for me, the Eels will win this game and hopefully they'll do so in style. The Dragons look to be struggling a little bit and I think that the Eels get this done comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. So that is, I think, it for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jess Ross. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jessica Ross. That's at underscore J-E-S-S-I-K-A-R-O-S-S. How can people find you on socials, Elliot? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at uh, Elliot Vesely, which is at E-L-L-I-O-T underscore V-E-S-E-L-Y. And you can also find the Mates of Origin podcast at Mates of Origin pod on Instagram and Twitter, as well as us being part of the Edge 